It's Thursday at 10 a.m. and you're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or The Griggs Beat. Let's get into the action. And good Thursday morning, everyone, here on the campus of Auburn University in the Bradley Basin studio here at Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Griggs Blankenberg alongside Daniel Locke and for a little while Alex Houston. And as of this moment, Brian Harson is still the head coach of the Auburn football team. Yeah, it's it's been a wild ride, but I've said it. I've stood by it. I think he stays. And Alex, good morning. Welcome into the Eagles Nest. It's good to have you on. Thank you for having me. I think the last time I was here for the Eagles Nest, it was your very first show. I wasn't on the air, but it's uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad you can come back and kind of see the progress we've made over the past few months. It's good to have you. Alex is one of our co-sports directors here at Weagle. We've had Jacob Hillman on the show before, so Alex is his counterpart. So good to have him on, but there is a lot to do. Just a reminder, this is our two-hour Super Bowl special, so the second half of today's show from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. will be strictly NFL talk, so the first hour is going to be everything else, starting with Auburn basketball. I'm okay with skipping the Arkansas game if you guys are. Oh, we have to say something about it. All right, it. say something about it. Well, uh, the Tigers snapped their 17, uh, their 19-game winning streak the other day in Fayetteville, losing to Arkansas 80-76 to in overtime. Still worth noting, Auburn's the only team in the nation who has not lost in regulation yet. Uh, leading the way in points was J- J.D. Note with 28. Walker Kessler had 19 rebounds. And Wendell Green Jr., 5 assists. And also, it was the longest in-season winning streak of Auburn basketball ever had. I think it was the second longest streak ever because mm-hmm. in the 50s, apparently, they won 30 straight games between yes. two years. Very cool for them. But, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a tough first loss in SEC play, first loss since November. But when you shoot 8 for 17 on free throws and you're losing your best defensive point guard in Zep Jasper and then, of course, Note goes off, like, it's a whole combination of things. But I'm not too worried about it myself. It's one game. Mm-hmm. I game and I'm I still remember my freshman year when they went on the road to Gainesville and lost by 22 to the Gators as in they scored 47 points it was a bad time and then they also got blown out by Alabama so at this point I'm keeping it positive but that's cuz if I don't keep it positive the negativity with Auburn football Auburn basketball and every major sport of my life will be overwhelming I mean oh yeah sorry do you know I didn't realize just how despised the Auburn community is you get on Twitter Anytime this basketball team does something that's not amazing, everyone's coming for our throats. And, you know, I'm sick of it. You know, an Alabama fan does not need to be talking to me about bad basketball. It's a coping mechanism. What is? And, I mean, in the case of Kentucky, it's because they're mad that the SEC is actually half decent. Because Calipari's first five years, they were god-awful. I mean, you go back to the year they went undefeated, there were two teams with 20 or more wins. Mm-hmm. In a fourteen-team conference, so that's that's Kentucky reason. As for Alabama and everybody else, I, I don't know. Was that about the time that Vanderbilt was good at basketball? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm gonna look. But yeah, main point from this game: you can't have 19 turnovers and win games. Yeah. That was just sloppy. I mean, Wendell himself had seven, <clears throat> and but he played 38 minutes. I believe that's the most minutes any Auburn players played all year. Yeah, I think so. That is that's crazy. I mean, he basically played the whole game, and then Allen came in some to run the one. But Alex alluded to it earlier. Hit your free throws because, my goodness, they are free for a reason. 41.7% from the line on 8 of 17. 
while Arkansas shot 81%, 26 for 32. And Auburn's always been bad at shooting free throws in the Bruce Pearl era. I don't really know why. I don't know what the correlation is. But they they were kind of, you know, they had a bad game against Alabama and Tuscaloosa, but since then they'd been shooting pretty well. It just seemed that it was going to show up again, and it did because Katie Johnson just could not hit them. And then I think Jabari uh, Jabari went 5-for-5, five five, but the rest of the team went a combined 3-for-12. So it was just a lot of things went wrong. Most hostile environment in the history of Arkansas basketball with the highest attendance ever at Bud Walton Arena. So, again, I'm not too mad about that that game. It's how they respond this Saturday against Texas a that's my focus. Yeah, I was talking to my dad after the um, Auburn-Arkansas game, and he sent me a text that said, you know you've arrived when people rush to court after beating you. I mean, that is, that is a crazy thing to think about is the fact that actually happened. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. five years ago, or not five years ago, six years ago, Auburn was rushing the court because they beat Kentucky which was like the first time they beat them since the 80s. So, I mean, you know, it it's just a testament to what Auburn has to do for the rest of the season, what they got to focus on, and how important Zepp Jasper is to this mm-hmm. team. Alex alluded to it, so we're going to move into Saturday. College oh, game – oh, sorry, I'm one sorry. Second. I had my, made a deal with my uncle. My uncle went to Arkansas. Congratulations, Nate. Your team beat mine. Let's not forget football, but we move on, and both these teams will be in March, so – yeah. Absolutely. Especially with Arkansas having a huge matchup with Alabama uh, this Saturday, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, they started off the year very, very shaky. I mean, they've started the year in SEC play 0-3, and now they're, they've won every game since then. I mean, they made it to – I think they made it to the Elite Eight last year. They're, they're a good basketball team. Muscleman's a good, I love a good coach. But He's a great coach. I think, I think it really is, yeah. How I think, did he get his shirt off with the arm brace? That's what I'm trying to know. You know – Good point. Hmm. Hmm. Makes, you want, makes you think. I mean, I don't know. Take off the arm brace, take off the shirt, put the arm brace back on, party. I don't know. Did y'all watch regular show growing up? Yeah, a little bit. Not not personally, no. So there was this character named Muscle Man. He was this like green guy. I remember that yes, guy. Yeah. I yes, would okay. I would love to see like a meme with his face on Muscle Man's body. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good choice. I think I think we should we should get that going. Get that signed for game day. Yeah, <laughs> last point on this game. Again, Alex alluded to it. Zep Jasper, very important. I mean, John Rothstein tweeted this out after the Alabama game. He has 17 turnovers in 509 minutes played this year, and that's averaging one turnover every 29.9 minutes. That's what we're missing there. So hopefully he'll be back Saturday. That's the goal. But, Danny, you want to take us into Saturday? Yeah. So college game day is coming to the Plains for the second time in three years. The last time they were here, Auburn was playing Kentucky during the season after the Miracle, or not Miracle, the great Final Four run. I'm not going to call it a miracle. I feel like that's disrespectful. However, I unfortunately will not be there as is Griggs. We made plans to go to North Carolina before we found out we were getting game day. Can't say I regret it since we're going to be watching John Morant play, which is something I've wanted to do for a while. Shout out Mary State. <laughs> Our best friend. <laughs> Absolutely. So, it's a big matchup, and it's not every – It's probably very rare to see a college basketball game day when one of the teams playing in it is not ranked so what does that mean for the reputation that Auburn's built up I think it comes down to the fact they did it you know two years ago and it's a great place to do it it's kind of the idea that you know even when college game day football it's going to the best atmosphere almost more than the best game and I mean Auburn is that atmosphere they have been all year it's going to be exciting. And, again, Texas A&M is not a team to be slept on necessarily. They've had a bit of a tough stretch lately. They went 4-0 starting off conference play, lost to Kentucky. And then they've not, since, that, since they started 4-0 in conference, they've lost seven in a they, row. They have lost seven in a row where compared to Arkansas, Arkansas started 
losing their first three in conference play and then have since won the last eight. So it's kind of a back and forth. This is not a bad team. They took Arkansas to the wire. They only lost Kentucky by six, lost LSU by six. But then lately, that was a tough four-point loss to Missouri and then at home, a eight-point loss to LSU, really falling apart. I think Buzz Williams is a great coach, and I think he's going to have something great going in the future. But right now, just not going right for Texas a They lost to South Carolina by 11 at home. Yeah, that was not ideal. And, I mean, just, you know, I think the interest among A&M fans is tough as well because Reed Arena, which holds a capacity of about 14,000 people, they had that many for the Kentucky game, but recently in their loss to LSU, only 6,000 people showed up. All the momentum that they had has basically collapsed. I mean, when you lose to Missouri, which is, in my opinion, with Vanderbilt, the bottom of the SEC for everything, that's kind of a telling point of your program. I mean, yeah, Missouri is the most confusing team of the year, mainly because they're win over Alabama, which I still don't really understand how they did that. But, you know, good for them, I guess. And they beat, almost beat Auburn. And they almost beat Auburn. You know, I think they got some spe- – they were a good team last year, too. Maybe they'll be the same next year. But, yeah, I think this is a huge matchup anyway because right now for Auburn, the mission is stay ahead of Kentucky and stay ahead of Arkansas. If you're Auburn, you can't really drop any of these home games going left because right now you got a one you have a one-game lead on Kentucky – you have to hold a tiebreaker over them, but if you get the three losses, Arkansas has to lead over us. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you definitely can't drop into these home games, especially when you have to travel to Gainesville and travel to Starkville and travel to Knoxville. T- yeah, Tom- and Thompson Bowling Arena. I think it's definitely an issue of it's going to be a tough schedule, and there's going to be some tough teams on stretch, specifically Tennessee. But you got to win these home games, especially against a team like AM that is just ice cold. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the team's going to be hungover any after what happened Tuesday night, or do you think Bruce is going to have them ready to go? I think it's the opposite. I think they genuinely needed a break. I think Tuesday games are a backbreak if you play on Saturday, and the fact they have no more Tuesday games is great because that's it, a, that's a small that's a short break between uh, games, and I think that's definitely I think it's going to be a much needed rest. I think if they have Zep back, plus again they just play different at home. They always have they. Like even uh, 2020 during the COVID year, they were just a different team at home every single game. So I don't think it's going to be anything like that. But I think they're going to come out hungry and want to improve upon that. Specifically, you got to get Jabari Smith the ball. Yeah, I you agree. Have to. That that's a huge thing. Like, has he taken 20 shots in a game yet? No, the most I think he took was 15. That they've got to feed him. Yeah. He shouldn't. He shouldn't be taking 20 shots, in my opinion, if. because that's it's. In college, I don't think anybody should get up to 20 shots because it's only 40 minutes versus the 48. But, I mean, he should be the guy. I mean, yeah, Coach Pearl was, like, saying if he had, like, a – I forgot what the word was, something coach, he'd get more shots. But, I mean, he basically kept that Arkansas game at the end instead of being a 10-point Arkansas win to being, like, a four-point Arkansas yeah, win. Yeah, absolutely. He, his jumper's just so pure. You need to get him the ball. When people are struggling, he's that type of player that will, like, find a way to score. I think he's an inside score, a one point part of his game, the inside scoring away from being the surefire number one pick. Yeah, I so think so too. If he can get that figured out, then someone who's 6'10", he could shoot the ball like that from three while also being able to drive the rim. That would be very scary if I was wanting to play against him in the pro level. And it's definitely something I think they're going to start working in more, specifically because I think it's something they're going to need when it comes to tournament time. Because that's the what makes the difference is when that, that guy can take, you know, Take the basketball. That's like Davidson's run in the tournament years ago was because Steph Curry touched the ball the entire game, and he was the guy. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, lo- I love the Walker-Kessler lob from Wendell every single play, but you got to figure out different ways to get Jabari the ball. And you've got, what is it, they got eight, not even eight games left, seven games left to figure it out. And then you got the SEC tournament to figure it out. But you got to figure it out now because Jabari Smith needs to have the ball 
often. As of right now, Auburn, according to Joe Lenardi, is now the number two overall one seed behind Gonzaga. But in the rankings, if we win this game, I expect us to go. I don't. Do you see Kentucky passing us? Uh, I can't imagine just because they have that one-on-one victory. And I mean, they if be- you if you want to say, well, they missed Ty Ty Washington. I mean, our Auburn was missing. So it's it's the same principle. I think Auburn's going to fall down to two or three. But, I mean, Arkansas is a good basketball team, and the only reason they're not ranked is because they had some bad losses. They had an awful loss to Hofstra and an awful loss to Oklahoma, where they lost by 22. So They'll be ranked now for sure. Yeah, I mean, they, the, 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 idea, the idea that they haven't been ranked yet is very odd to me, especially with who they've beaten and how they've beaten them. I mean, they've got one close win outside of Auburn, and that was a three-point win over A&M. But, I mean, I still think – like it's not it's not a bad loss to lose to that Arkansas team in that environment. Not even close. I think that Arkansas Kentucky at Kentucky at Arkansas game is going to be very important yes. to see how the SEC shapes up. Absolutely, that season. because they, those teams will very likely be competing along with Tennessee for that second and third spot. Because if Arkansas would win that game, then they would get that spot. But it's there's a long way to go in SEC play. I have a bold prediction for Auburn, or not so bold. I don't think we drop another at home. You know what? Hold on. I'm going to back up on that. I don't think we drop another period. At home, I was about to say, because at home we only play A&M, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina. So if we drop one at home, that's a major problem for our SEC hopes. And I think if Ole Miss, the the biggest threat is A&M, obviously, because after the Arkansas game, excuse me, or Ole Miss. But, I mean, yeah, I I would agree with that. On the road, though, I'm not so confident because Tennessee. Tennessee. But other than that, I think – I think next Tuesday when they play Kentucky at Tennessee will be a good tell tell point for me is, okay – how does this team perform against one of these top teams at home? Yeah. Because I uh, I think that – did they beat Texas Tech? That was one of the worst games of college basketball this year. I can't um, remember. They did not. They lost by five in overtime. Oh, Lord. 57-52. Yeah, I heard it was a That's very not bad good. game. That's not good. But, yeah, I'm excited for Saturday. Sorry that me and Daniel won't be able to be there. Alex will be there. Follow him on Twitter. What's that Twitter? Uh, I don't actually remember, which is unfortunate, because I should be able to just recite my Twitter profile in order to get the people to follow me. I think it's just my name, at Alex Houston. Oh, yeah, it is. So there you uh, go. At Alex Houston. He does all the line coverage. He'll give you the line updates if there I is do a my line best. forming. But, yeah, that'll do it for the Auburn basketball section of the Eagles Nest. When we come back, we will talk about the NHL and NBA talk. And then we'll move into the Brian Harson situation. You're listening to the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Once again, this is our two-hour Super Bowl special. We will be on the air until 12 p.m. today. Right now, as always, by my side, Greg Blankenberg, our good friend and co-sports director here at Weagle, Alex Houston. In the last segment, we talked about Auburn basketball. If you missed that and want to hear it, it'll be up on the podcast version of today's show, which will come out shortly after we get done here. So now we're going to move into our NHL and NBA talk. And before we start talking about it, if you don't know, I'm a diehard Boston Bruins fan. That has been my team for about as long as I can remember now. And yesterday, our longtime goalkeeper, Tuka Rask, has announced that he is going to retire after, I, I can't remember exactly how long he was with the Bruins. I want to say it was 15 or 16 years. And Tuca, just thank you for, so much for everything you did for us. You were a big part of our cup run in 2010-2011 season. You were an even bigger part in helping us get back there in 2013 and mm-hmm. 2019. 
just thank you so much. Thank you for your dedication to the city of Boston. We're going to miss you. And just thank you for giving us an awesome decade and a half of just solid goalkeeping. And while we're on the talk of the Bruins. Thank you for the 2-15, and 15, by the way, Tuca. Appreciate you. Be quiet. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> while we're talking about the Bruins, we've got to address Brad Marchand. Brad, I love you. You're my favorite player in the NHL. You're my favorite Bruin. However, the love is about to be tough. You, you are hurting this team. Like, you cannot keep getting these suspensions. Six games. Six. And we need you right now. We're, we're in a push for playoff spot, man. Detroit is catching up. And now we don't have one of our best wingers for six games because you thought it was a good idea to punch somebody and swing your stick at them. Why? Like, I just do not understand why you thought that was an acceptable thing to do. You have the NHL record for most suspensions. Like, dude. You're hurting the team. If you want to go play like this, go join Milan, Lucic, and Calgary. I'm sick of it. Or go join the Oilers. <laughs> yeah, go do that. <laughs> but, yeah, you, you can't – especially the second part of that, When he, besides after the fighting part, you can't swing your stick at someone over the head. You can't – I mean, I saw the replay. The referee's pushing him back. He swings over the head and tries to hit the goalkeeper. I just don't get it, man. Like, I just – it's not cute. How do you not think about that? How do you not think about that in that situation? As an outside fan of hockey, I will say the fights do always seem like a lot of fun. Oh, that they was, are. I'm just yeah. saying. Not when you try to swing a wooden stick. True, or true. He clearly took a page out of the Miles Garrett playbook on that one. <laughs> yeah, but. I just, I don't really. I've said all I have to say on that. Moving also, on. Can I can I clarify it? So Tuka Rask is retiring in the middle of the season. Okay, so it's kind of a weird. Get a hip surgery. Hold thing. On, I got, I'm the I'm the resident Bruins fan. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So it was kind of a weird situation. Like after last year, when the Bruins got eliminated in the second round by the Islanders, he told the team that he was going to need an undisclosed amount of time off to mm. heal because he um he was playing through injury through the second half of that season. So he was finally able to come back, and originally they were going to have him in Providence, which is our AHL team. I'm sure you know, but it's the G League to the NBA. Yeah, yeah. So he was supposed to get like five or six games down there to kind of knock the rust off. He didn't get that. They, they thrust him into the NFL, NFL, geez, the NHL right away. So it just it didn't go very well. I believe in the time he was back, he only had two games where they were like, okay, this isn't going to work, and then. He just informed the team that, you know, it's just he can't do it anymore. Yeah. Which is sad, but, you know. It's what happens. Right. It's what happens when you get old. So, the All-Star game was this weekend in the NHL. It was a lot of fun to watch. Metro beat Central. Not really surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, Claude Gierix. How do you pronounce that last name? Gierix, you got it. Yep, center for the Flyers. Big performance from him for the MVP since this is the last year of his contract with the Flyers. He might be seen as a trade market value, which might be helpful for a team. Also, last point on the NHL, Dominique Dirchmi. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Dominique Dirchmi of the Montreal Canadiens was fired as the head coach after leading them to a Stanley Cup final last year after taking over, what was it, midseason? Yeah. Midseason for them. I mean, he was the coach for less than a year. He was without Carey. He's been without Carey Price, who basically – was the reason they made it to the Stanley Cup final last year. And Shea Weber, without all this year, the defenseman. I think they might have been a little quick since he'd been on the job for less than a year. But he came into the job. It's like he came into the job as an interim 
manager on the bench. So I mean, I guess you cannot have that much lenience. Maybe I don't. I don't really understand. They were playing terrible right this season. I guess that's just one of those jobs where even though they haven't won a Stanley Cup since the early '90s, just the expectation to do good mm-hmm. is just so high that there's not really much room for error. Like what they have, like what twenty four, twenty six cups, something like that. Well, they lead. They have the most cups out of anyone. Yeah, which most of those were before World Wars were invented, but you know, it's it's okay. It's like Michigan football titles, right? Playing the YMCA before I, you play I, I the stole, national championship. I stole that quote from a Michigan fan, but um, yeah, I just it's a they just do not accept bad hockey up there, and I kind of understand. But I'm with you. I think they pulled the trigger too quick on this one. I mean, they were the first like Canadian team to make it to the Cup final in like almost what 15, 20 years. Yeah, and even though last year was kind of weird with everything, one Canadian team was guaranteed a spot in the semifinal. But yeah, yeah, I just don't really. It's kind of funny that most of the players in the NHL, a lot of them are from Canada, and you know, there seven, eight teams up there can't figure it out. Right, which is funny in a way. It's kind of sad, but I mostly feel bad for Leafs fans. That's about it, though. I I don't. Yeah, I like Austin Matthews, American. I like Austin Matthews, but that that's it. I have no compassion for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't have any compassion. We, you, everyone knows we don't have compassion for the Oilers. <laughs> no, we, we do not like the and Oilers here on the show. They lost to the Blackhawks last night, which is really, really fun. Leon Draisaitl scored, but they ended up losing 4-1. Congrats. Thank you. You're welcome. Speaking of congrats for my teams, for the moving on to the NBA, Melo and DeJounte Murray were named All-Stars, replacing Kevin Durant and Draymond Green. So LaMelo Ball is officially an All-Star in the NBA. Which exciting. It's it's exciting. It's good for the team. He's our first all star since Kemba Walker, which was when the NBA was in Charlotte for the all star game and Kemba started, which is a really cool moment for the city. But I, yeah, I'm excited to see Mel. I mean, he's one of the most electric players in the NBA. He's got the superstar potential. And yeah, the NBA knew what they were doing when they replaced him Durant with him for because Durant said he didn't want to play. So is that Durant just said he didn't want to do it? I mean, they're on a nine-game losing streak right now. I mean, can't really take a break. Can't take a break. But, yeah, more news that we forgot to add last night. I know you guys talked about it this morning on Compact Discourse. Look at that for wherever you get your podcasts. Harden wants out of Brooklyn, but he doesn't want to say he wants out of Brooklyn. It's it's a whole mess. I don't really know what – I think, as I said this morning, it's kind of the issue of people taking the heat – Big three and the Warriors dynasty blueprint, and I'm thinking it applies everywhere. Like, this isn't 2K. You can't just put three guys together, play them 36 minutes, fix the rotations, and boom, you're going to win because that's what happens. But, like, in this, you know, like with the Heat, Bosch took a back seat. Wade's knees fell apart, so he had to take a back seat. With Golden State, even Curry and Clay both said, yeah, Durant, take the lead, and that's why they won. But it doesn't work by just putting players together. Like, you can't just mash three together. We were talking about in, uh, in the bullpen about Doc Rivers and how he had Lob City. I mean, that was three guys who were all on paper very good and should have worked a lot better together, but they just didn't. So it's the same thing with this. I think it was just a lot. They meshed together a lot of talent, and it's not going to work. And, again, it's also because it's like you're swapping out your, like one of your main players every other game. Like imagine if y'all were doing this show and then every 15 minutes Daniel just walked out and then came back in 15 minutes. The chemistry would be all off because you're constantly shifting it, around. It's That's technically what it, the big two and a half. Exactly. Kyrie exactly. played the whole first That's, part of the season, and now he's only playing away games. I don't want to get into like all that talk with the vaccine stuff, but 
That's it, hurting the team. Exactly. It's because it, it, again, it's like you're completely changing. I mean, you're basically having to do two fixed rotations at every other game. And when it comes to the playoffs, it's going to be worse because you're going to be going back right, and at forth. At this point, and back they're and forth. the what the ninth seed. So yeah, they're in the, they're in the yeah. play-in tournament. Which the, they they better they hope even, they wouldn't yeah. even host a home game if they're in the play-in tournament. The Which is good game. for them technically. Good point. Yeah, good point. But that game, the nine, the ten game, you have to win twice to get in. Yeah, I think it's it's. It's a mess, and I think it's unfortunately because, again, they thought that it would work when you can't just throw those players together. You can't just throw three people that seem to be good together. Somebody's got to take a back seat. And, again, I also think Steve Nash is not – you know, the think of the coaches that have done it, Spolstra with the big three, Doc Rivers with, with the Celtics, Phil Jackson with mm-hmm. whatever team he was on at that point. It's some of the better coaches in recent memory who are handling these units. Mm-hmm. Steve Nash is not that guy, not yet at least. I don't think so. It doesn't and, really help when Harden's having the worst shooting performance of his entire career. Exactly. It, it certainly doesn't. It's not all on him, but I think it's just a perfect storm of bad. And they, they're wanting him to replace him with Ben Simmons, which I've said before, Ben Simmons would be the greatest player in NBA history if there's no basket. So Good point. And I think, I think, I think, unfortunately, the problem is Simmons doesn't fit with this system at all. Simmons needs to be – I said he fits a place like Golden State where – Everybody else around him is a shooter. Not an isolation player, but a shooter. Because Curry can catch and shoot better than anybody. He just doesn't do it because he's the guy. Mm-hmm. But Clay doesn't. So, I mean, that. but the Nets would be a mess. Plus, Brooklyn crowds are brutal. They're more brutal than Philly crowds. So, Ooh, I, I don't know about that. That's a tough. I mean, okay, they may not be more brutal, but it's it's on equal footing at that point. Because Philly and Brooklyn. With the interaction that I had with them in Boston over the summer, like, I didn't go to the game, but just – Walking around TD Garden in the city, the FUs, the middle fingers, to, nothing was thrown at me. Yeah, no, this was in Boston, but they're fans. Okay, but that was honestly, yeah. Until I went to LSU, that was the worst I'd ever been treated by fans. Brooklyn, Boston, and Philadelphia are definitely the three hardest mm-hmm. fan bases to play oh. for in professional. It's true. It, that is a fact. Is I'm not even true. saying this because I have I have stereotypes about Boston. I'm saying this to quote actual NBA players who have said it's the worst place to be. Bill Russell didn't even want to be there half the time he was there. We don't have to get into that debate right now, anyway. But um, but yeah, it's it's. I don't know what to do for them. I just don't like Philly. I mean, they're. I mean, how can you throw snowballs at Santa? I mean, people have used that thing for because it was funny. <laughs> people have used that for generations, but yeah, just. Tough fan base. We can get into that more maybe on a later episode. Talk about the most harsh fan bases. That'd be a good Detroit. Thing. I'm kidding. They don't have any fans they, left, unfortunately. All of them left with Stafford. They're, I was about to say, they're, the they're, they're all gone. But, yeah, I mean, the Nets are just broken right now. It is. They're the, maybe the Houston Oilers of the NBA, some might say. That's Honestly, that's that, that's a fair point. I, th- I think they'll get it together just because they're so talented. But right now, like, I don't think there's any chance to win a championship, especially because in the East you got Miami and – Milwaukee, Chicago. And don't he, forget Chicago. And in Chicago, and even if you make it all the way to the finals, you're going to run to the Suns or the Warriors, who are going to run you off the floor because that's what they do. So either mm-hmm. way, it's a failed experiment right now. Mm-hmm. So that is going to about wrap it up for the NHL and NBA talk today. When we come back, we are going to be diving in to what the heck is going on with Auburn football. You're listening to the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Keep it here. Welcome back to the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Griggs Blankenberg again alongside my co-host Daniel Locke. And joining us for this first hour, Alex Houston. Is that correct? Did I said right? Yes, okay, yes, you got it. You got it. Sure. 
All right, for this last 30 minutes, we're going to be diving into what in the world is going on with Auburn football, specifically the Brian Harson contract negotiations with what is going on with the board of trustees, all of that. So if you've been living under a rock or you don't really follow Auburn sports at all, uh, started like probably very late last week or early this week where there was rumors that Brian Harson was losing the program with all like it was like 20 people who transferred out multiple coaches leaving he's had he had Derek Mason last week broke that he took for a $400,000 pay cut to go be the OC or DC at Oklahoma State and then last night the big news Auburn changed their university policy regarding empl- the employee code of conduct for employees that who are not cooperating with investigation can be terminated. The specific, the, the specific wording being violations of this policy may result in disciplinary action up to and including termination, which would mean he could be fired for cause, Brian Harson, if he does not agree with this investigation. So that is the most sketch thing to put that in now. And the fact that it went effective on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, Tuesday, February 8th. Yeah, it's a whole mess. But... It just – this is going to get a 30 for 30 about this at some point. I'm looking forward to it. So I'd be honest. Honestly, I'd watch a lot of it. I mean – I'm looking forward to telling my friends I was at Auburn at that time. The, t- the time that Auburn basketball was number one for the first time in 116 years and also the – Gymnastics. The, yeah, gymnastics is literally the best Auburn gymnastics team of all time. And then you've also got – your head football coach went through – a possible inappropriate relationship with a assistant, which was nope. has since not false. there's not been a story, so you can assume false. Uh, former and current players speaking out against him and in support of him, including one player saying he treats them like dogs. Derek Mason disappearing. Rumors say that he said something to the board of trustees before he left that made their jaws drop. I don't know what that means. The fact is nobody knows what's true anymore because the Twitter spaces are going crazy. And then also. He was in Mexico the whole time, said that the university would not tell him how much money he could spend on assistance. He said that in the ESPN interview. All that, it's... He's only given one interview to a national media instead of local media. Would you talk to the media right now if you were him? I would not. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I would talk to somebody because I think, you know, that... If if you want to go the full PR standpoint, you got to control the narrative, and that's how you control the narrative. That's what I do. But I'm I, mean, I would get back know. to Mexico. No, 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 I don't know about yeah, that. I, don't know. Um, I mean, he he's kind of doing the whole deal of doing what he wants. So he goes back to Mexico. He's hiding, but he's not doing that because he's like, I am big tough guy, not afraid of the board of trustees. Seems to be the the route that he's going, and it's working. I mean. I don't think there's a single Auburn fan that's against him at this current juncture right now. Board of Trustee PR is at an all-time low, like all-time low. I think lower than Jetgate, and that was bad. Do you think if they were to fire him, do you think he is like within his right to sue? Them? Yeah. Oh, oh, heck yeah. Um, because well, well, okay. So it depends, right? It's it's if they fire him without cause and just pay him the money, there is no suit because technically. If if they fire him for this new sanction that goes in, there then will be there is a then lawsuit. there is a lawsuit, and, and his lawyer is and very. They good. shouldn't do okay. that because then he'll sue for more than the eighteen million because you can sue for eighteen million plus damages. That yada happens. yada. What happens to our athletics department? Um, Al Green's also out the door, basically. Probably, yeah. I would say so. I don't know what happens personally. Because like basketball wouldn't be affected. I'd like to. Yeah, I don't think so. They 
football is the money makers. The issue basketball doesn't make money. Like let's 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 talk about that for a second. There's no sport at Auburn's campus that makes money. Actually, makes a profit. Equestrian. Nope. No. Horses are expensive, my guy. Exactly. Yeah, we'll see, we'll exactly. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. But it depends on if they fire him with if they force fire him without cause with this new policy, then a lawsuit is coming in. They just fire him with no cause and just give him the money. Paying the money. You can't sue because there hasn't been any like proof of defamation, right? Like there's rumors going around and you can connect the dots and say the board of trustees are doing it, but you, you can't I don't think you can prove that. I you mean, can assume. Go ahead though. You, who's gonna make the call? You got President Goosh, who's on his way out. You got Alan Green, who's on the final year of his five-year contract. He's one of the few people in Power 5 athletic directors who's on the last year of their contract has not signed an extension yet. You got a new president coming in in May. Who's going to, if they want to fire him, who's going to be the one to make the call? General Burgess? Because that's what I've heard from, listen to Paul Feinbaum all week, but I don't know if that's the I, case. I'm not, I'm not sure, to be quite honest, because you're right. I don't think Gooch would do that because that puts his president at a disadvantage, but... I, I don't know right now who exactly. But, yeah, going into Harson's contract details, he signed a six-year contract in 2021, paying him an average of $5.25 million a year. And this is from Adam Rittenberg on ESPN. If Auburn, from 2021, if Auburn fires Harson without cause, it will owe the coach 70% of his remaining salary through the contract term, which would be in point 18.2 or $18.3 million half of which must be paid within 30 days of termination. Other 50% would be paid out for over four years, and Harson's guarantee is not subject to offset or mitigation. Yeah, I think it's it's a very, very dicey situation. I mean, it's, if Auburn has the back-to-back years of having the largest coach, coach college football buyouts back-to-back years, I mean, that – that does not look good on the program. They did just get the twenty million dollar donation though. So thank um, you, Neville family. Indeed, indeed. But I mean, you got it. Like, am I all? I, I might all be going to Harson. I think this whole this whole thing is ridiculous, just because it's not like he did such a horrible job to be fire to be fired. I've mentioned it in history. Uh, Tommy Tuberville started with a losing record. Pat Dye first year was a losing record. Ralph Shug Jordan went five hundred in his first year and then went two and eight in his second year. Note he's the greatest Auburn coach in the history of ever. Do y'all think the national signing day fiasco had anything to do with this? Uh their I recruiting th- class is still eighteenth. They made a lot of push. And to be quite honest, it was a lot of hur- circumstances that hurt them. But what do you think? Uh I heard I mean there was apparently I heard reports that there were only three juniors at junior day, which not very very good. I think the board of trustees concern is I've been hearing this is the the class of 2023 in the state of Alabama is the greatest, one of the best classes they've had in a very long time. And they're wondering, is Harson the right guy to get us these people from the state of Alabama instead of the people over in Tuscaloosa? Which, if I'm looking at the Auburn program right now, if I'm a recruit, I'm like, do I really want to go there when I don't know if the coach who talked to me, shook my parents' hands at the table, is going to be the coach when I get there? I, yeah, I think that's the thing is like they're, they're – lopping off his legs from underneath him and then saying, well, why can't he do the job? You know, with that, with the limiting of payment for an assistant, it was not a good first year, but the fact is whether or not he can build it. You know, he got in some good transfers. The people are talking about recruiting class rankings. They brought in a good crop of transfers that are not going to be in the rankings. They they aren't going to affect the rankings, but I'm just going to go ahead and look at it right now. The transfers were pretty good for him. Exactly, exactly. And that recruiting class was good for early signing day. Then, you know, the – a&M or the Houston game hurt them, and then you going going further. You've got that 
just the losing of assistance. A lot of things didn't go well. That's going to hurt your recruiting. But I mean, I think they've got a good crop right now. I don't think it's. I think it's by year three if something's going wrong. But like they go six and six again next year, I don't think that's fireable. People forget that Auburn's won two national championships ever. I've said I've, I've said it a couple times. 2010 and 2013 ruined Auburn football. As much as I love mm. those years, as fun as it was to watch, it ruined the expectations of people. Because right. let's be clear, 2010, they did win, but they won because they had probably the greatest college quarterback to ever mm-hmm. walk the earth behind them. And then in 2013, it was the greatest one-year turnaround in the history of football, right? It was it was crazy. A perfect runoff. Exactly. Kick Two um, incredible miracles. But, I mean, that's not realistic. Realistically, in your first year, you go 6-7. and seven. You go 7-6. and six. That's and what Saban did. People want to compare Saban. Saban had the Alabama pred- pedigree to recruit on. Harson has what? To recruit him on. I'm tired of people trying to compare people to saying he's the next Saban. Exactly. I mean, he, you can't do it. It's like saying this person's the next Bill Belichick. How often have you seen a Patriots assist, assistant after they leave Belichick be successful? Like literally as bad as Alabama was at that time with all the sanctions, it was still Alabama. It was still the, you know, 10 national championship Alabama. It was still Bear Bryant. It was still Bryant Denny. So, like, let's not pretend that these are equal. They're not. One had 10. One has two. There, there's a difference there. One doesn't even have football in facility yet. He needs time, and I think it's not unheard of to give somebody time. But, you know, it is what it is. I think he should stay, but it's not my decision. I mean, I'll give my opinion in the next 15 minutes or the next segment, but what do you think, Daniel? Any comments on this first part? On Harson staying? I know. Just what do you what do you think of this whole fiasco? Effects of recruiting, how this will affect It's, it's a nightmare. Board. Like it, It's mm-hmm. a nightmare. I honestly feel like Auburn's got the right guy for the job and the boosters are trying to run them out, why can't we run out the boosters? Like, there's enough rich Auburn alumni, Tim Cook, Tim Hudson. There's plenty of people, Octavia Spencer. There are plenty of celebrities and rich people who went to Auburn. Just, is that a dumb statement? Did I just make Not necessarily, but they are selected by the state senate, so it is not anybody's control but the state senate. So it's not almost who's good, it's who you know. That's the whole... That's the whole that's the old a, criticism of the good old boys. Sorry, I bet there's a bunch of bammers on that thing. No. No, not the Auburn Board of Trustees. No, but they're, um, they're smarter than that. I mean, it's it's because they got money. I mean, one of the guy one of the guys on the board, his last name's Harbert. That's the entire college of business. Mm-hmm. We had louder on it in the nineties as well. Um, I mean it's just it's the nature of it. One quick point, but let's be the last thing I say before I, I say before break, but the law firm that is conducting the investigation, one of the founding members of that board, the names on the law firm is on the Auburn Board of Trustees. I was told I, – I did see that as well, actually. I heard about that. I was told that it's – that uh, law firm is used by most universities in, in the southeast that do internal investigations regardless, mm-hmm. so it's not supposed to be biased. But It just seems a little shaky. The problem is the Board of Trustees or PR is so down right now that any anything is going to seem, you know, mm-hmm. like jet gate, conniving and not, you know, in the best interest of the university. As Josh Pate said, loving a program to death. I don't – know if that's what's happening but it's a mess i gotta learn more about jetgate again new auburn fan it's i mean i I can give you the brief rundown right now if you would like uh so jetgate as far as my understanding goes again i I was three years old when this happened so auburn 2003 they struggled i think they were seven and five at the end of the regular season and people were not liking tommy Tuberville, so they flew in bobby petrino in like a private jet in the middle of the night to negotiate a contract to hire him while tommy Tuberville was still the head coach practicing with the team, preparing for their bowl game. But then, like everybody else found out, Petrino runs back to Arkansas because he was at Arkansas at that time. No, Louisville, I think. And the board says, he's like, no, Tuberville, you're still our coach after all that. 
Like, he flies in in the middle of the night, in the secret of night, and then everybody's like, well, we found out. Then he runs away. And then Tupperville wins his bowl game, wins his job, and then the next year they went undefeated and would have won the national championship. So it's like the whole idea is they were meddling for no good reason because it blew up in their face because look at what the guy did. So that that's the brief rundown of Jacket. It's a lot more complicated than that, but the essence is they flew in Petrino intending to secretly hire him and bring him in for the job, and then it was like they all found out. So I think I've said everything I have to say. Yeah, I'm pretty good. But okay. So when we come back from break, we'll talk a little bit more on the Harson situation and then we will get into the last hour of the show, which will be our Super Bowl special. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest here on Weagle ninety one point one FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle ninety one point one FM. As always by my side, Greg Blankenberg. Alex Houston had to hit the road. However, don't get too sad. We've got the man, the myth, the legend, Harrison Tarr. Harrison, how's it going? How's it going, guys? Thanks for letting me hop in and crash a little bit for a few minutes here. Of course, of course. How was your date last night? It was good. Celebrated three years uh, with my girlfriend yesterday. So, uh, had a nice anniversary dinner. Went to Lucy's. Wow, that place is really good. And wow, it is really expensive. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was it was all worth it. Like I said, it was, we had a good time. So, I appreciate that. Appreciate it. I didn't see your tweet till this morning. We were watching the Olympics last night. I had my phone put away. You're probably, only, good, you're yeah. probably one of five people who are watching the Olympics. Uh, Chloe Kim's a, a legend, man. She I don't know about that. And and our uh, and our boy uh, Nathan Nathan Chen, mm-hmm. he rocks, man. So yeah, that's what I was up to last night. So in the last segment, we were talking about the Brian Harson stuff. We have more to say, Griggs. Why don't you lead us off? Yeah, here's my opinion on the situation. I mean, I think I. It's clear Auburn's trying to find any way they can to try to fire Harson with cause. That's been well documented since Tuesday. They released the new thing of the employee code of conduct, where if he didn't comply, employees don't comply with investigations, they can be fired. But in my opinion, even if he does get a job, I don't think he can come back from this. I mean, how can you do this with the board of trustees literally just trying to find any way they can to get you out? And things you can't go back to normal. Things can't just return to normal if he decides to get the job back. There, um, there's no way he can continue to recruit after this situation within the state of Alabama and the nation, when the board of trustees is still attempting to get rid of him after he went six and seven his first year, leading a team to a bowl game, while losing your starting quarterback with three, we'll say three and a half games left in the year. Yeah, more or less. But I just don't. I don't think he can coach after this. I mean, if anything, take – I mean, he if he accepts anything less than the 18.2 he's promised, I mean, he's admitting guilt. Or Correct. He's admitting something wrong. So Correct. He, I think, he, okay, you got to take your 18.2 million and then we'll coach this team or go to court. Those are the three options. And I don't think – I don't know how he – he seems very adamant on continuing to coaching with this team. It will be very interesting to see how he recruits next year if he continues to be the coach. But – yeah, Harrison, you want to give us your opinion? I um, this is a guys, this is a dumpster fire. Uh, really, this situation is is pathetic. It's a bad look. It's a PR nightmare. I'm 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 glad that that I'm not in the seat of of the PR folks here here at Auburn because I this is there's no way they're sleeping. We're not sleeping because um, we're trying to figure out is Auburn going to have a head coach? Uh, I was in a panic mode because I was afraid that. Auburn was going to fire, was going to can Harson while I was in the middle of dinner last night on my anniversary. I can't even sleep, guys. I'm sleeping with one eye open. <laughs> but the the reality of all of this is, is like I said, it's 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 actually it's cringe. I, I don't know another word to put other than cringe. I think actually fits here because 
over the past week, we've watched this development where at first there was this whole scandal about, oh, well, Harson had an affair, allegedly had an affair. Then he didn't have an affair. Then he did have an affair. And it's kind of been off and on. And then it becomes more and more evident when Harson responds to his, his, these accusations, for lack of a better term, on, on Friday. He makes one comment about his character, which is not cut out for public radio, just because I'm going to have to blur out one word. But then the rest feels like about his performance. So is this about an allegation or is this about performance? It's always been about performance. It's always been about the Board of Trustees after the first year. The Board of Trustees didn't want him when he got hired. So there's, there's a lot of things going on here in, in different ways, and I'm neither defending nor, nor going against Brian Harson here. I'm not taking up for either side. Like I said, the whole situation is cringe. But putting in and implementing a new policy, compliance policy, on Tuesday, Guys, Auburn is a almost an eight-figure revenue biannually, right? You're trying to tell me an entity as big as Auburn doesn't already have a compliance policy in place? Oh, don't don't give me that crap. It's so shady. And the the reality of all of this is well, the million-dollar question. I think that um, Brandon Marcello said it best last night. How bad do the board of trustees want Harson gone? It, it looks to be pretty bad. It seems they want him gone. Not as bad as eighteen point three million. That's for sure. They're looking for any way to not pay him the eighteen point three million. But I, I think Mar- not to quote Marcelo over and over again. But I think he had some good points last night in Twitter Spaces. I don't know if y'all heard it or not. Mm-hmm. Guys, money's not a problem. Don't let anybody tell you that. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, I understand that the Malzahn buyout was god awful. The Harson buyout would be god awful. Back to money years with just the largest contract buyouts for college football. Money just doesn't matter. It really doesn't, especially here in the SEC. Yeah, when you've got a family, just one family, that'll throw twenty million at you. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It it's not it's not that as much as they want to fire him for cheap. It's just imagine. I was saying this in the last segment. Who's going to be the one to make the call? Gooch is on the way out. He doesn't want to make it. He doesn't want to make it. It's Alan not going to be AJ. Alan, Alan Green's on the last one. Of the only few ads in the Power Five who's on the last year of his contract who has not received an extension yet. He doesn't want to make the call because this was his. He was this was his guy who he hired as the coach. He made the call to fire Malzahn. He made the call for Harson instead of folding to the Kevin Steele coup. It's uh, man, I, I'm telling you what it what it boils down to is is how bad do the board of trustees want him gone? Uh, and and if the if if Harson is terminated, I will say this and I'll leave this. It's going so to you court. guys can talk. First off, going to court's a given. That's that, this is probably going to court any way you look at it because right now. Harson's gonna be able to uh, sue for defamation and slander. He's gonna have malice. He's going to win. Uh, that that is all a statement of fact, in my opinion. Uh, that was so contradictory. But uh, here, I'll leave you with this, Daniel. Before you, I, I know I've taken up half your show here. I'm sorry. No worries. Um, I'll leave you with this this thought here. If Brian Harson is fired due to due to moral conflicts, that is one thing he deserves to be terminated. That is a statement of fact, and we all agree. Mm-hmm. And we all have talked about how that's probably not where this is at now. No. If Brian Harson is not terminated, and they cannot find a way to fire him, Auburn University owes every single person within the not beyond the Board of Trustees, they owe every single faculty member, every single student, every alumni, every member of the fan base, a public statement explaining how they are going to reevaluate every single member on the Board of Trustees down to K. Ivy. I like that. I, 100, I 100% agree with that. I mean, Nobody should be protected. No. No, no not at all. And I'm, this is not me taking either side. No. This is me as a as a third perspective, uh, you know, third party journalist here. I'm sick and tired of this crap, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We want facts just as bad as everybody else wants facts. 
because we want to be able to relay those facts because it pays our bills. Right. <laughs> but I, th- I, I'm of that mentality. Also, as a, as a soon to be soon to be Auburn alum, knock on wood, in J- in May, barring anything crazy, I'm disappointed. I agree. It is. I mean, coming into it as like a new Auburn fan, once I got here, it's just the stuff that has gone on the past like couple days, in regards when the bat the basketball program is the best basketball program this. The school, ever, the school history he's ever had. You having all the success with gymnastics. We were talking about this with Alex last. All success in other different sports. And then football. I mean, football is the driving force, even though people will say basketball school, but right. football is the driving force in the SEC. Right. You have to have time in life for things to happen. I get, I don't, if you were right, if the allegations are true about his morals, he should be fired. That is agreed. If he does, if it's just about performance and they're trying to find shady ways to try to get him out, if if they fire him because he's not agreeing to this new policy that went in Tuesday, you're right. They are going to court, and Harson is going to win, and is going to be way more than the 18.3 he'd be given if they just said, you know what, let's just get rid of him, let's just start fresh. I don't think it's crazy to think that if, if this goes to court, Harson walks away from Auburn with his 18.3 that he's owed, but I think he's sitting on $30 million before he has to pay his lawyer. I, I, before, before lawyer fees. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's not unreasonable to think that he's going to get contract in a half plus I think so too and just I'm kind of with you Harrison like we, we've got a clean house on this we, we've got to we find can't. a way to make this better for going forward we can't afford to have this happen again we can't turn it into the next I mean, Tennessee no. here's here's me putting on my TNT in the morning radio show host hat and asking you guys who in their right mind is going to want the Auburn job no one I got one name coach and prime he freeze I got I got one I actually I got one one other name, we can, and, we can do and, this now. and I'm, I will lose my mind. I think Hugh Freeze. I've heard everything. Everything has pointed to him saying, if he gets another chance at the SEC, he 100% is going to take. Oh, it. and he should. He's stupid if he doesn't. Can I guess your name? Yeah, go ahead. Coach O. No, okay. I mean Coach O would take it in a heartbeat. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. Um, go Tigers. I will. I'm telling y'all right now. Heads up, y'all bunker down. Y'all hunker down and, and build barricades here in the office. If Kevin Steele so much gets a phone call. Oh. And don't you rule out that possibility? No, no I'm, I'm not ruling it out. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not yelling at you, Dan. You know what I mean? He just got the new. He just got the. OC oh, he dro- he would drop it in heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Doesn't matter. If, yeah, I've heard everything from coaches. I mean, the wild accusations of Tom Reek and Coach Arm to like what? Um, Down. Uh, let's, everyone like the let's Twitter, run it. The Twitter space, but I mean, he definitely could recruit. That's for sure. But <laughs> that'd be lit. Yeah, you're right. Who in their right mind, if this goes to court, is gonna be like, oh? I want to go to Auburn, where the Board of Trustees wants me out after a season where I go 6-7 and seven in my first Nobody year. wanted the job last year. No. It is – You know what, I wouldn't. this would never happen, but one person I would love, I said this last night, throw the bag at Shane Beamer. But that would never happen. He's too loyal, I think. But he's probably my favorite non-Auburn or Wake Forest coach. Also, South Carolina has – He's got the full support of everybody at South Carolina. Oh, yeah, so it 100%. Matter. But I, yeah, I love him. But I just don't. I think we're in for a wild ride, whatever it means in the next few days. Well, if Harson's gone, guys, you're going to need a Matt Luke. So not not Matt Luke, but you're going to need someone Matt Luke esque because you're going to need someone so middle of the road, non polarized, that you can get through four or five years uh, without turmoil, without recruiting violations, which that's up for jury. Jury's still out on Matt Luke's recruiting violation. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. You need someone Matt Luke esque that everyone's just kind of meh. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
you need a yeah, you need a middle of the ground person that the board of trustees isn't gonna be like, okay, we hundred percent disagree with this person. We want this other person. Well, you don't, you're not gonna compete for championships no. for a decade if you fire Brian Harson. And I'm not. I don't think I'm overreacting. I don't think. I don't think if they fire Brian Harson, I don't think that we will make a bowl game next year. Oh, I don't think they're gonna make a bowl game. Uh, Auburn's gonna make a bowl game this year with Brian Harson. Yeah, so I think we got. Sh- I mean, I uh, I've got Auburn going four and eight this year. That's wow. honestly. Yeah, I think you got so the too. three first three games non-conference, and who else? Uh, Western Kentucky, right? You got uh, uh East, Western Kentucky, yeah. Hilltoppers, yeah. I think we beat. I think we beat Missouri at home. No, you don't really. No, I don't. I picked. All, I'm not just a brag, uh, and I know I got to hop out of here and let you guys get to PS. The little pushing PSA break here in a minute, <laughs> but uh, I picked Auburn to go six and six last year. Pretty close. I like. I was right. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. About bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, I said six and six and lose a bowl game. I like uh, Auburn to go four and. Four and eight this year, yeah. and not make a bowl game. So that's going to do it for the Brian Harson talk. I've had all I can stomach. Thank when you, Harrison. We come in, thank you, Harrison. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. When we come back, it is Super Bowl time here on the Eagles' Nest. We got Caleb Jones knocking on the door. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Eagles' Nest two-hour Super Bowl special here on Weagle 91.1 FM. We are about to get into our hour of Super Bowl coverage, but now for our segment on the Bengals, we are joined by Caleb Jones. You can find him on Twitter at Caleb J Sports, sports editor for the Auburn Plainsman, also covering recruiting for Auburn rivals. Caleb, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, guys. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be on. Of course. Thank you for coming. If you don't know, Caleb and I went to high school together in Helena. We were both members of the best marching band in the state of Alabama together. <laughs> what good memories. And now we are here on the Lovelies Village in the Plains talking sports. Caleb, once again, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Uh, Helena does be uh, – Helena is pumping out some sports journalists and some sports guys. That's that's for sure. Yeah, we got me, you, Hillman. I think uh, you were saying uh, in the break that your next guest is also a Helena. Bay Marks. Helena yes, graduate. Sir. We got it going on today. Yeah. Let's let's get into the Super Bowl talk here. We got the first off for this first 15 minutes. We'll be talking about the AFC North and AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals, who finished this year, the regular season, at a record of 10-7 and after last year going 4-11-1. Their schedule was as follows. Week one, they beat the Minnesota Vikings. Week two, they lost to the Bears, which is one of the more surprising losses I'd see on their schedule. That was probably second. Interesting. Probably second. We'll get to that. We'll just get some notable games in. They lost in overtime to Green Bay in week six. They lost to the Jets week eight, which is really surprising for this team that's in the Super Bowl. Lost to the Jets, but was that the game Joe Burrow was out? Or no, it wasn't. No, Joe, I don't. Joe Burrow has not missed a game this season. Oh, okay. Yeah, he didn't. Did he play much in the Cleveland game? At the the, the game? loss? Yeah. Oh wait, the one after the Jets? Uh no, week eighteen. Oh no. Oh, excuse me. No. Yeah, Joe Burrow did miss that game. Excuse me. He was he was not sidelined with injury. He was just, you know, they were preserving him for the playoffs. Some big wins they had were over the at Las Vegas, at home versus Kansas City, and then the playoffs their schedule went. They beat the Raiders twenty six to nineteen. At home, the next week in the divisional round, they beat the Tennessee Titans on a game-winning field goal from Evan Money McPherson, 19-16. to And Evan Money McPherson also made the game-winning kick in the AFC Championship game at KC. Shooter! 27-24. I just saw today, Caleb, that 
they said he they drafted kicker like oh okay they might draft him sixth seventh round no they drafted him with the fifth pick in the fifth round that yeah. is crazy but let's get the Bengals take from you hey it's what you got it's worked out for him uh like you said he's money they call him Shooter McPherson uh he's that's why you draft a kicker every that's the that's the social media post that the Bengals are putting out every time that McPherson hits a game winner and it seems like it's happened a lot this season. So, Caleb, if I had told you after weeks eight and nine, when you lose to the Jets and then you get beat pretty handily by the Browns, that you would be playing for a Super Bowl, would you have believed me? Uh, absolutely not. I remember where I was when they lost 41-16 to to the Browns. I was in an airport somewhere, and uh, I said, wow, this sucks. Uh, they're not doing too good after losing to the Jets. Then you'll lose 41-16 to to the Browns. That was like three of their last five games had been losses. And so at that point in time, as a Bengals guy, you're just kind of like, all right, this is where it goes downhill. It was fun while it lasted, but now we return to your previously scheduled program, right? Right. But then after that, you turn it up, you go on the road, you beat um, Las Vegas, then you beat Big Ben at home, you destroy Big Ben at home. Then you have another little skid, but then you win three in a row. Then you lose Week 18, but y'all had locked it up. It didn't matter. Yeah, Week 18 did not exist. That's not a real game. We were playing uh, the bench and everybody that wanted to play. So what does this mean to you as a longtime Bengals fan? You've been with the team through struggles, and you get to watch them play for a Super Bowl. What does that mean to you? Man, it's unbelievable. Uh, Like you said, I've been a Bengals fan since I was probably 11, I think that's when I first started watching NFL. I was like, I just, I just want a team to root for. So I, I picked the Bengals, and I don't know why. I was a big Andy Dalton fan. I really liked the combo of him and A.J. Green. But um, I got to say, those first few years were really fun until you got to the wild card, and then it was like, wow, this team is going to rip my heart out year after year, uh, which means they're perfect for me. That's typically how I pick my sports teams. And then after after 2015, after the the Steelers wild card game, goodness gracious, <laughs> man, that was that was probably the worst loss I think I've ever witnessed as a fan of any team. But uh, since then, it had not been great. It had been a lot of lot of losing seasons, a lot of pain. And then Joe Burrow was drafted, and you sensed that there was a turnaround coming. And and, and I don't think that Bengals fans thought that this turnaround would happen so quickly you know there's there's no way if when Joe Burrow got drafted there was no way that I thought he would be playing for a Super Bowl in his second season especially after what happened to him his rookie season you know looking to become the first quarter first quarterback I think first player quarterback I can't remember ever to go Heisman win the Heisman win the national championship and win a Super Bowl that's insane Cam got close never unfortunately could never do it so he's looking to become the first yeah like if that and that just speaks volumes to Joe Burrow's competitiveness and and who he is as a player. I I've watched football a long time and I don't think I've ever seen a player like Joe Burrow, you know, just the competitiveness. You know, he he's got this we're going to win mentality. Tom Brady had had it too, you know. Tom Brady's probably got it more than Joe Burrow. But there's a mic'd up moment I was watching yesterday. It's Joe Burrow in the AFC Championship game against Kansas City. It's like third and goal, 
and he looks at his team. They're down by eight. He says, hey, when we score, we're going for two. If that doesn't just scream confidence to you, like you're going up against Kansas City. It's still there's still some guys in that on that defense that can make plays. Mm-hmm. And just Joe Burrow's confidence of, hey, we're scoring right here, we're going for two afterwards. Jamar Chase is like, Oh, I like that. And that then, you know, one on one Jamar Chase, touchdown Bengals, tie game, off to the two points. Speaking of Jamar Chase, did you he's my pick for offensive rookie of the year at the beginning of the season. Did you think that at all? I don't know. I think I think anything anything in the preseason is always up in the air. It's it's always let's let's see a couple games, see how they do. But Jamar Chase has been phenomenal for the Bengals. He has just blown all of my expectations away. I don't think anybody anticipated him being this good this early on in his career, uh, especially after you know what transpired in in preseason and, and camp and everything like that, where people were saying he's dropping the football and, and things like that, but. He's he's been phenomenal for the Bengals. He's been probably aside from Joe Burrow the biggest piece of their offense. Yeah, like they've they've been really good, and obviously they have that chemistry at LSU that they developed. They've never lost a playoff game together. Let's shout, see if they shout out my friend Jeffrey for that one. Knock on wood. Let's yeah, see if they keep that going. Knock on wood. But yeah, I mean, looking into the uh, off season the, after this game, I mean, I think it's obvious they need offensive line help. Do you think that's any other pieces do you think besides that? I think if the Bengals get an offensive line that is not necessarily the best offensive line in the NFL, but just though they can get the job done and protecting their quarterback from not becoming the quarterback in the league who gets sacked the most. No quarterback has been sacked more than Joe Burrow this season, and this team is still playing for a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, he got sacked, what, nine times against Kansas City? I think it was Tennessee, Tennessee but it was yeah, probably. I don't think he got sacked as many times. I don't know how many times he got sacked against Kansas City, but I was actually at that game. You were and, at the AC Championship? No, in uh, in Nashville. Oh, okay. when he got sacked nine times, and I still I don't know how they won that game. I mean, other than Tannehill throwing the game, was that a hard choice? Auburn, Kentucky, or on Bengals, on Titans? No, absolutely not. It was the easiest choice I ever made. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would have done what you did in your shoes. Because yeah. you know Auburn will play Kentucky next year. Hopefully, yeah, that's like, the case, but you never you never know. The the thing about that was uh, tickets were pretty expensive for a college student. But then I thought about it. I consulted with so many people, like friends, family members. Just hey, what would you do if you were in my situation? And they all said the same thing. They said go for it. So I went for it, and it ended up being one of the greatest like nights of my like sports fan lifespan I guess that's, I don't know that's how my mindset was when Penn State wide I'm like okay my team's never gonna play in this game again probably no, mine too go ahead and get that done but let's last a little bit on the Bengals what do you think their keys to the game are for this win or for if they if they're going to win this game what do you think the keys are for them the uh the receiving matchup is going to be interesting with Jalen Ramsey on the other side it's going to be interesting how they handle Jamar Chase. Are they going to double-team him? Because if you double-team Jamar Chase, you're going to leave Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins open. Mm-hmm. If you one-on-one Jamar Chase, you're going to leave Jamar Chase open. So that's going to be interesting. I think the other key to the game is how well can – like you have to protect Joe Burrow to the best of your abilities against this – You know, it's Stacked. a scary, scary defensive line for the, the Los Angeles Rams. You know, Aaron Donald – if he, if Aaron Donald has his way with the Bengals' offensive line, it is going to be a long day for Joe Burrow. 
just constantly picking dirt out of his face mask and things like that. So you have to protect Joe Burrow. You have to give him time to pass. And Joe Mixon has to have a good game. Mm-hmm. If you can get that run game going a little bit, then that kind of throws the defense off. They don't know if Joe Mixon's going to run it or if Joe Burrow's going to throw it. And if you can kind of keep it balanced, keep the keep the defense guessing a little bit, you know, as it is with any football game, I think that's going to be the big key is just protecting Joe Burrow. Give him time to throw. He can make plays, but he's got to have more than, you know, he's got to have more than a second to, to go through his progressions to make these plays. So, Yeah, Caleb Jones again of the A Auburn Plainsman. You can find him on Twitter at Caleb J Sports. Um, Daniel, what do you, I mean, what do you think about this game so far, or the Bengals? You know, I like their chances. I really do. Um, it's a hungry, young, hungry team for the most part, led by – Joe Shiesty, Joe Burr. Um, <laughs> if he shows up to the game in those Cartier shades, I don't think they're losing. <laughs> Dude, somebody asked him what he was, you know, wearing to the Super Bowl, and he just laughed and said that he hadn't thought that far yet. But there are so many things about Joe Burrow online. It, it makes me smile every day. The MVP of MVPs. Yeah, that was probably – that's the biggest accomplishment I think Joe Burrow's ever had. For sure. It's right up there with his Heisman winner, <laughs> right up there with that AFC championship trophy. But the Joe Burrow, man, he's he's just so fun to watch. Like, if you're a football football fan at all, you just you just love watching Joe Burrow. He's one of those guys where if he's if your team is playing Joe Burrow – you don't like him, but if he's on your team or you're cheering for him, goodness gracious, he is so fun to watch. He really is, especially I remember watching that play in the AFC Championship where he literally was like about to get sacked, and the guy was coming up behind him who was about to sack him. He looked behind him, jumped over him, and then got the first down by like a yard. Joe Shiesty. And I'll leave you guys with this. is If you're a Bengals fan, you're approaching the Super Bowl like you have approached every single game since that 2015 season hmm. with the mentality of, the Bengals are probably going to lose because if there's one thing that the Bengals organization has taught me is don't 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 be too confident in your in your team. Uh, there's there's a difference here uh, and I want to clarify that. You can have conf- I have full confidence in Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and everybody there that they they are more than capable of getting this job done and and winning a Super Bowl. But if you're a Bengals fan, you can't go into this game with the expectation that the Bengals are going to win a Super Bowl because if they don't, that will crush your heart. So my boy Jesse Bates needs to step up big. That'd be huge. Yeah, Jesse Bates. He's been a he's been a great player on defense. That's the one you probably gonna have to pay next year, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, there's a couple guys that you're gonna have to pay if you want to keep them around. I think, but it's all part of the it's all part of the thing in the NFL. It's a business. You gotta you gotta make your money. That kind of deal, but. Yeah. Well, Caleb, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'm excited for you. This has got to be awesome, and we appreciate you taking the time here today. Yeah, guys, absolutely. Anytime you guys want me to come on and talk a little football or anything, I'm more than willing. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Caleb. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. As always, by my side, Griggs Blankenberg. In this segment, to continue our two-hour Super Bowl special, my good friend, um, co-host of one, the show that got me interested in joining Weagle, Bay Marks. Bay, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. It's a lot of praise to follow up right there. Yeah. Makes me a little nervous. Um, but I'm glad to be on. I haven't been on this show yet, um, and I know that y'all are doing great things. And Daniel, I know you're glad to have a co-host now. That's 
it's yeah. tough being by yourself. It is. But uh, I'm glad to be on, and I appreciate both of you uh, letting me come on and talk a little bit for a little while. We appreciate you coming. So let's dive right in. This Rams team being in the Super Bowl is a lot less surprising than Cincinnati. Running through their schedule, week one, they beat the Bears. Week two, they beat the Colts. Week three, they beat Tom Brady. Uh, week four, they lost to Kyler Murray in Arizona. Week five, they beat Seattle. Week six, they beat the Giants on the road, which, I mean, that's not that tough, but still. Uh, week seven, they beat Detroit. Week eight, they beat Houston. Week nine, lost to Tennessee. Week 10, lost to San Francisco. Uh, by week, week 11. Week 12, you lose to Green Bay. Dub. <laughs> Bay's a Packers fan. Uh, 13, you beat Jacksonville. Week 14, you get revenge on Arizona. Week 15, you beat Seattle. Week 16, you beat Minnesota. Week 17, you beat Baltimore on the road. And then week 18, my least favorite game of the NFL regular season, you let the San Francisco 49ers beat you in overtime at home. Sounds a little biased there. <laughs> and you keep the Saints fans at home. Anyways, definitely, like I said, not surprising that they're here. They've had, they have a good team, you know, Matt Stafford at quarterback. Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup had a lights-out year. What are you guys' takes on this team? Bay? I think it was that team coming into the year, obviously, with the golf trade um, and Stafford getting out to L.A. with obviously more weapons, more firepower. Everybody kind of went ahead and you know rocketed, rocketed them up to being probably one of the top teams in the NFC. We saw that early. They started hot, um, especially after beating Brady in L.A. It was like, okay, this team's for real. Um, and then they kind of, like you just mentioned with their schedule, went a little up and down, a lot of uncertainties, especially losing to San Fran twice. Um, their certainty of being the West champions this year was not concrete. Um, so I think it wasn't really a dependable team come playoff time, especially in that NFC championship after the 49ers upset the Packers and Cowboys back at home where they just uh, lost to the 49ers a couple weeks prior, like you just mentioned. Um, it wasn't a team that a lot of people had faith in, but they're here. They got OBJ at the trade deadline. They got the firepower. Um, obviously, we know what Sean McVay is capable of. He was in the Super Bowl a few years ago in that ugly Super Bowl with the Patriots. That they didn't even deserve to be in. No, nah, they didn't deserve to be in that one either. But my <laughs> point being – Not P.I. Yeah, not P.I. <laughs> um, my point being it's a Rams team that is capable of doing a lot. It's just whether or not they show up and do it. It's kind of hard to pull against the Rams or the Bengals in this game, but in hindsight, it's going to be really hard to pull against Matthew Stafford. Yeah. Despite him being a bulldog. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I forgot. I always forget about that. Yeah. Griggs, what do you think about this one? Uh, I just think you got to look at Cooper Cup. I mean, I think, he, personally, I think he's had the best year of a receiver ever since Calvin Johnson retired. I mean, he won the triple crown for receivers. That is very, very hard to do, where he led the league in receiving yards, catches, and touchdowns. I mean, that's kind of little – what was he, like a D2? Yeah. I forgot where it was, but, yeah, that's crazy they did that. He only had seven games under 100 yards receiving this year, and in five of those seven games, there were – five of those seven games were between 90 and 99 yards. Yeah. So – He's definitely something that I think Matthew Stafford appreciates, especially after losing Megatron early in his career after a couple of years. And then with the talent drought that they've had up in Detroit, having Cooper Cup and that offensive firepower is something Matthew Stafford will – Probably look to use against that tough Bengals defense. Yeah, and then you also have Aaron Donald, who I think the last five, six years has been the best defensive player in football, where this year he had 12.5 sacks and 19 tackles for a loss going up against this 
very questionable Bengals O-line. I think this could be a very big game for Aaron Donald if things go his way. Yeah, for sure. I, I think Aaron Donald could be the key to this game because, I mean, I know the Bengals have faced some good defensive lines this year, but, I mean, it doesn't, like Grisha said, it doesn't get much better than Aaron Donald. I mean, that he's, like you say, consistently been one of, if not the best defensive linemen in the league the past few years. Um, and that was kind of a concern for a lot of people, too. I don't want to jump ahead to the Bengals or anything, but um, their offensive line holding up against guys like Aaron Donald, guys like Vaughn Miller. Um, I think that'll be interesting to see at the point of attack on that side of the ball. Yeah, and how do you think the Rams should go about stopping Jamar Chase? Well, <laughs> it's tough considering the rookie season he's had, huh? But uh, obviously you got to say Jalen Ramsey's going to be, I mean. Busy. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of another point of emphasis for them will be different coverages, but also making sure that a pro, all pro corner and Jalen Ramsey's going to be on that young stud who's going to He said he wanted recap it. it. He said, yeah, he said he's wanted it all week. He said, "Put me on Jamar Chase, and let's yeah. see what happens." I mean, and Jalen's kind of that guy who's, I mean, he hasn't been up to a standard the past, I'd say, a year or two. Um, but I mean, still, without a doubt, top three corner mm-hmm. in the NFL. I remember back in September when um you, I was sitting in on the scoreboard because you and um Jacob were training me, and you guys were joking about how Jamar Chase was unable to hold on to the ball. Yeah, and then how. Now he's completely turned that around. He's probably going to win offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, he said. And, I mean. It, can't really blame them. I mean, he said at the beginning, like the all he like, it's harder to see. That gives you, huh? What did he just say? That's kind some of, James it was one of those Winston things. Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> true. Or Sam Darnold seeing. Hey, this. whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, sorry. I know. I'm a Panthers fan. So <laughs> oh no, it's no, no, hard. it's hard, man. <laughs> um, rough. No, but the Jamar Chase conversation. I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, looking back at it, Jamar Chase really didn't have such a great start of the year. Was dropping a lot of passes, especially with that Burrow Chase connection from down in the Bayou that we all expected. And then it's kind of kind of crazy in hindsight to think he's had the rookie season he's had um, with that start. I mean, dropping every pass that came his way, but yet has continued to break rookie records and, like you said, probably the rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. So what do you think um, – if you're Cincinnati, what do you do to stop Aaron Donald? It's tough, especially considering, you know, you have a young – I mean, we all forget Burrow's only in his second year. And off an ACL injury. coming off an ACL injury, he's, it's... I think he's comeback player of the year, you think? It's He's definitely up there. I mean, leading a team to a Super Bowl in a second year after ACL injury, I mean, I wouldn't put it against him. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he avoids Aaron Donald, though. To answer your question, Daniel, is just, I mean, he's not going to have much time. He's still learning how to slide. I mean, we all know those memes about him. So, I think it's going to be a lot of quick stuff. Um they're probably going to run the ball outside a little bit more than running it up the middle, which they already do. They do that a lot with Joe Mixon. Um, but I think they'll try to do their best to avoid the middle of the field. Yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a good strategy. So, Griggs, what do you think that you do if you are L.A. to kind of – another thing – let me rephrase that. That came out awkwardly. What do you think you need to do to slow down this offense? I think you need to have really good coverage on those receivers because the longer Burrow holds that ball, the more time that that offensive line has to crack. So I think you got to play really good coverage on these receivers to give more time for your defensive line to cause something in the backfield. I mean, we already said Aaron Donald, a lot of tackles for losses here, including sacks. So, yeah, if you can get those receivers covered quick, make Joe Burrow hold on to the ball for two, three seconds longer than he should, that could lead to some issues. I mean, he avoided it last week in Kansas City with some of those plays, but he can't make those same plays every single time, especially when maybe Vaughn Miller either 
playing QB spot at middle linebacker. So it's no secret either that I mean, there's one team that's that's got players that have been here before very recently, and one team obviously that hasn't had many, if any, of that experience. I think they, uh, it said the Bengals have one players in the Super Bowl, and it was one of the players on the Falcons who let up that the catch that Julian Edelman had right. in that Super Bowl. Right. He was one of those cornerbacks on yeah. that play. And that's the thing, too, is, I mean, guys like you just mentioned, Vaughn Miller, Aaron Donald, they've all been there. Guys on that defense have been there. So, the like I, I keep mentioning, it's the point of attack. Really, when it comes down to it for me, it's going to be the line of scrimmage. Who wins the line of scrimmage? And right now, it doesn't look good for Cincinnati. No. So, do you think being the favorite, and this is a question for both of you, do you think being the favorite is as big of an advantage as people say? Because in a way, a lot of people make the argument that it's actually a disadvantage. What do y'all think about that? Uh, I think Cincinnati's. Besides the game where they hosted, uh, I forget who they host in the playoffs. Who um, was the Oakland or gosh, Vegas. Sorry. Yeah, it was Vegas. Yeah, I think they. Besides that game, they played the underdog most of the way this season. But for when they were, they started off again. They lost to the Jets and the Browns back to back weeks. I think they thrive off that underdog mentality. I mean. Heck, Cincinnati, this is their first time they've won a playoff game this year in 30 this year for the first time in 34 years. So, they're not they're used to being counted out. I think they'll they'll use that to advantage. For the Rams, I just Matthew Stafford has been known in some situations to have some key mess-ups in some certain scenarios more often in Detroit than he has this year in LA, but you can't be hoping on a 49ers player to drop Basically a punt as an interception with this Bengals defense when you have Jesse Bates out there. and, and Well, Eli Apple's not that good, but still. <laughs> no. Yeah, Daniel knows. No. <laughs> um, for me, it really kind of – it's kind of like a dependent question um, because when you think about it, some years, like, when you do have a Super Bowl favorite, it's like, yeah, everybody's going to bet on this team. Like, for instance, two years ago when the Chiefs faced the 49ers, they were the favorite, and it was like, yeah, we know they're going to win. Years like this year where there's no, where there's not a team that really is the favorite, maybe, in my opinion, the Rams by a slight edge, um, but the Bengals with all that momentum really kind of counteracts that. I truly think it's anybody's game, especially with how L.A.'s year started out and then how dark it got for a couple games. How ba- I mean, they played horrible. I don't make it sound like that. But not living up to their standard. Then the Bengals kind of being a pretty decent team all year. Nobody really thought they'd get this far, and now in the playoffs they're just rolling through people and then take down a giant. I mean, that that's just as much momentum as you need as being a favorite, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that take. Um, it's a very valid argument, and um, so my take on it, like Bay said, like Greg said, it's about the line of scrimmage. Whoever controls that's going to win, and that's very important to really any game, but more so here. When you have a front seven in the Rams that's just lights out, then on the other side you've got an offensive line that struggles. Like, you've got to find a way to overcome that. But we'll get more into that in the next segment. Thank you, Bay Marks, for coming on. You can find him on Twitter at Bay underscore Marks. We'll get into our preview of the game and finish off the show at the end with our Who You Got segment. You're listening to the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back to the Eagles Nest two-hour Super Bowl special here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Griggs Blank, breaking alongside my co-host Daniel Locke and our guest Bay Marks. You can find him on Twitter at Bay underscore Marks. Now we are going to get into basically just a game preview and our keys to the game, what has to happen for each team to win. The first question I got 
is the status of the tight ends. Both tight ends are coming off some leg problems. Both uh, use I always mess up his name. Not uh, Tyler Higby and Uzama. Uh, Uzama. He's an Auburn grad. I know. I've yeah. I've had multiple people <laughs> yeah. tell me that I've said it wrong. It's Uz- a tough name. Uz- yeah, Uzama. But yeah, Uzama and Higby are both questionable. Zach Taylor was optimi- optimistic about Uzama playing. He's expected to practice today. Uh, McVay didn't really give anything because he doesn't have to really give an injury report through, for a walkthrough practice. He said Higby is still kind of day-to-day, but also their first practice is scheduled for today. Um, you got anything, Bay, about I think the biggest thing is just obviously Uzama because, mm-hmm. A, Uzama is a vet that's been in the league for eight or nine years. Went Obviously, I'm biased because he went to Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a veteran guy that has really been a leader on this team. We've seen it on social media, him hyping up everybody. Something I did see on social media, too, pertaining to his injury. Um, he was, I think they were in front of the Bengals crowd or something in the stadium celebrating them going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He tore the leg brace off. Yep. He tore the leg brace off and just chunked it. So I, th- I think he's wanting to play. They're probably shooting him up with a bunch of painkillers, I'd guess. Um, it's the Super Bowl. You don't want yeah, so, um, but I think it'll be interesting to see what capacity they use him in, obviously, because – of course, he's got a few more years left to him in the league. They don't want to hurt him long term. But how often do the Bengals make it to the Super Bowl? So right. But and then of course on the other side of the things, you have Tyler Higby, like Griggs was mentioning. Um, I mean, we all know what Higby, Higby is capable of. Of course, he's a vet as well. McVay really likes using him, giving another variety to that offense, another dimension. Whereas Uzama is more of a blocking back. But then we've also seen in games earlier this year where he's also scored several touchdowns in a game. So. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how both teams use them, especially with Uzama's injury and then, of course, Higby and what dimension he'll bring to LA's offense. Yeah, I like that a lot. And also on the other side, Cam Akers is questionable. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a that's big. That's their run game. That's that's and, very big. I mean, besides that, they don't really have anything worth no. noting. I'd say. Yeah. So that's really bad news if they can't run the football and they have to throw. You, you can't be one-dimensional and win a Super Bowl. Like, yeah. I, I just do not think you can. And Unless your quarterback's just throwing for 500 yards. and Right, which I, never happens. On that L.A. secondary – or on, on that L.A. defense, I don't see that. No. no. Even on the – even Stafford, I mean, I, sure he's capable of that, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't know. So. This has got to be tough for Detroit fans, I feel like, just a little bit. Like, they've got to yeah. be happy for him. They might claim it. <laughs> Honestly, honestly, yeah. I mean, honestly, let them at this point. I mean, they've gone through so much. As much as he gave to that city, like I mean, they they kind of like you know. I think they understood. Yeah. If if a Lions, yeah, almost called them the Tigers. Thinking I got baseball in my mind, mm-hmm. but if a Lions fan told me that they were gonna buy an LA Super Bowl shirt if they won, I wouldn't say anything. Yeah. About it at all. Imagine telling someone that uh, Matthew Stafford would be playing a team from Ohio in a Super Bowl, probably like two or three years ago. Be kind of funny to say, see their reaction. Yeah, that 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 would have been hard to believe. And you wouldn't have thought it was the Bengals. No, no, not, uh, no. <laughs> no, not at no, all. No, 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 no. Because at that point, that's when the Browns. Looked they were like kind they of were, on the upside. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I would have guessed it would have been them, but they've kind of they're imploding around themselves right now. But you know, the line for this game was originally I think f- minus four and a half for the Rams. It's down to minus three and a half. Yeah. Also in favor of the Rams. So just a little bit. It'll shrink. It'll, It'll shrink a little it bit. It honestly might get sub three closer to game time. Honestly, closer because, honestly, I believe more people are probably going to be betting on the Bengals, I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah. But, yeah, they're 13-7 and seven against the spread this year, while the Rams are 10-10 and 10 against the spread over under 48-and-a-half. 
That's an interesting number for this over under. I think it's, you know, I'd honestly bet the under. I mean, yeah. I think mm. I think both teams with two quarterbacks that have never been to the Super Bowl, one team with a lot of young offensive players. I think I think you bet the under here, and I'm mm-hmm. and I'm a huge always bet the over guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, think about it, forty eight and a half. They're they're betting both teams score around in the low twenties. I think one team doesn't make it out of the teens. I, mean, I don't think so either. The Rams didn't make it out of the threes last time <laughs> they were in the Super Bowl. But yeah. So, I mean. I think both teams' strengths are they're both more evenly matched on the defensive side than the offensive side, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I think, yeah, mostly these are two really good defensive teams. Rams have more of the experience, as we talked about in the last segment, over the Bengals who have one player who's been in a Super Bowl. But, yeah, I think it's going to just come down to who which I've said this last week too and it ended up kind of being correct with Jimmy Garoppolo or two weeks ago with Jimmy Garoppolo but which quarterback's going to be the first one to make a mistake who's going to be the first team to make that key mistake where Matthew Stafford almost made it when they played the 49ers with the punt interception drop but I'm really excited this is one of the more Super Bowls I'm more excited for because it's two teams without Tom Brady who I didn't really care for I liked him more on the Bucs than I did I think everyone liked him more on the Bucs than the Patriots not me (laughs) <laughs> okay, but besides Daniel, yeah, this is my favorite. This is the most super, super Bowl I'm probably gonna pay the most attention to besides, yeah, unfortunately 2015. But mm-hmm. um, I would say last year was pretty hyped up too. I, I think last year just didn't go the way a lot of people thought it would. But I think it was more hyped up just because it's the pa- it's the the greatest of all time versus the the baby goat. Yeah. The yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think this one's probably this is kind of honestly like the NBA Finals from last year. I mean, it was two teams that aren't normally in it. I mean, last year, think about it. In the playoffs, we had the Suns. We had the Jazz, we had uh, Milwaukee, we had the Hawks. We had all these teams that had never really been in the finals as of late. Mm-hmm. And this year we've kind of had that with the playoffs. I mean, we've got the Rams, the Bengals. Um, I mean, the Titans, they were the number one seed. I mean, teams that haven't been getting close to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. getting there. I mean, this is one of – I think this is one of the best NFL postseasons we've had in a very <laughs> – yeah. maybe one of the best ever. One of the – definitely very long time. You have all these games going down to one-score games. I yeah. mean, I think – Game-winning field goals. Division round, it was all either game-winning field goals or game-winning touchdowns, I believe, in the divisional round. I think that's right. We had, yeah. I know we had three for sure game-winning field goals. Um, but, yes, they were all really close games. Came down to the wire. It's not like the past where or like other – where it just be straight blowouts. Like right. Kind of like the college football playoff, unfortunately, how that – those those, semi, those semifinal that. games. <laughs> besides, I think the only really good semifinal game there has been in four years has been – um, Oklahoma, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, or uh, Clemson, Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah. yeah when, both those were Clemson, good. When yeah. Clemson, was that the one where Clemson won? Yes. yes. In the desert. Yeah, yeah, and then they just got beat by Joe Burrow and LSU. Man, that I still can't believe that LSU. That LSU team was like basically mercy ruling Oklahoma. Yeah. I, I remember like going to church that day and like it was like a Saturday afternoon and I went to church and they were up like like a score or two and I get out of church and they're up like five scores. And I'm like, yeah, what the heck? Like, I mean that team was so good. But no, I I agree. Like I I think that this these playoffs have been uh definitely more consumer like fun than it has been for for the corporations and the team owners and all I mean, of them. I I don't care about the Rams team owner. I'm not a big fan of Stan Kroenke. I <laughs> I have I have family in St. Louis, uh, but like okay. none of them were like Rams fans. Yeah, and then they made the move. My, yeah, my cousin Finn's a Packers fan. My cousin Gus is a Dolphins fan. My uncle is a Steelers fan, but. Yeah, I mean, the the way that team left that city, I think. I think they. I mean, if I mean, one team was going to move to LA, don't move. Like, if you're going to move the Rams, leave the Chargers in yes, San Diego because exactly. that was cool. Or if you're just absolutely want to move them out of San Diego, then leave the Rams. In San I more Vegas. understand Oakland going to Las Vegas than 
either the, the Rams or the Chargers moving to L.A. Not yeah. just both of them, because what, what are you doing? I mean, L.A. has never proven to be a pro football market. Yeah. You, we saw that when the Rams were playing at the L.A., the USC Coliseum, or the yeah. Olympic Coliseum. They yeah. were no one. Yeah. It was the only game I can remember there. that was actually full was that was the greatest Monday night football game of all time. Oh yeah, Rams and the Chiefs. Chiefs. Oh my goodness. Gosh, that was such Was a that game. the game that was supposed to be in Mexico? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and they moved it because of uh some political. I don't I don't remember, but I don't even think of it. But that was a Monday night football game and it was like 55 to 49 or something. Like, like that's the greatest Monday night football game of all yeah, time. Yeah, it was like golf and uh Mahomes, it was nuts. But Can I say what I think the greatest Monday night football game of all time is? I would guess if I could remember, but go ahead. Saints Redskins 2018. Whoa, that's the that's the Commanders to you. My I'm, fault. Ki- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But yeah, Monday night football's kind of lacked in recent years. I think. Yeah, I they, think they're just getting. They got to do a better job of making those matchups. But I'm ex- I'm excited. NBC, the game's on 5:30 Central time on NBC with my favorite commentary crew in. NFL with Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels. Michaels, baby. Is this his last one? Is he retiring after this year? I don't think so. I mean, they're t- I think they're training Mike Tirico to step in. Oh, yeah. Because Mike Tirico's played done a couple of them. He does Notre Dame football as well. Mm-hmm. He used to be at ESPN for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yes, but he does – I think that he does some – Al Michaels doesn't do it like every single week. I yeah. think he'll go like two or three weeks in a row then off. But, yeah, it's, he'll do this one for sure. I don't think he's going to retire. I, I might just be – Thinking I heard things. But, I could have swore I heard that somewhere. But yeah, anyways, yeah, my, that'll, that's a great group. I enjoy Sunday Night Football more than any other oh, broadcast yeah. by a long shot. I think NBC does it well, incredible. The only one that's close might be CBS with Romo. I love CBS I don't like Romo. Really? I, I think he talks too much as a color analyst. Uh, I, I really like him. I, I don't know, Jim. I, uh, I don't know, Jim. I think he just talks too much for a color commentary. That's like, fair. Especially during like the actual play where, oh, Jim, they're going to do this and that and that when he's Jim's like in the middle of saying something. Yeah, but, that's fair. That's fair. But Nance is a good but dude. But here's a guy. I mean, Chris <laughs> Chris Collinsworth's got the, some good stuff. The Collinsworth stuff slide. The Collinsworth slide. I'm glad that's back. But I'm excited for this game. I, I've said it a lot already in this, but two teams I really don't really have any really rooting interest in. I mean, I'm cheering for the Bengals, but – I be it's like a basically America versus the small amount of LA Rams fans there are Detroit fans and some deranged people in Athens. So I think a lot of people are pulling for the Bengals or would like to see the Bengals win, but I think subconsciously a lot of people think like, but LA is probably gonna win, which sucks. But if the Bengals win, I'll go buy a Bengals Super Bowl shirt like that night. You would? I mean, yeah, I'd go to Academy or I don't even think they do but that. Don't anymore. roll probably tumors. Not. Do not roll tumors. We don't even want that bad luck. We do not know. I, I can't believe that the Braves broke Auburn. Yeah, I mean, yeah. think about it. The Braves, the Auburn didn't win a football game <laughs> they, after that happened. They did not. They did and not. They, point, and they may never now. Oh, we we could do a whole another two hour episode on that. We, we, we already did. Thir- we already did that for thirty minutes. We we're supposed to do a Harson segment was fifteen minutes. I'm like last night listening to these all these new and like, hey Daniel, we should probably move this to thirty minutes because I think that's what people really want to hear more about this. Give the folks what they want. Get the people. We're for I the. Did. We're for yeah. the people here at the Eagles Nest. We are a people first podcast. Not Edmonton Oilers fans though. Uh no. This is the number one anti Edmonton Oilers podcast, which is really random a podcast in Auburn, Alabama. It's so talking so much about the Edmonton Oilers, but yep. But here we are. So uh before Bay, before you leave, do you have any final thoughts and your score for the game? Like I said, I, I'm I'm personally gonna be pulling for the Bengals. Um, but the sports analyst in me is going to say the Rams. Like I said earlier, I'd bet the under 48 and a half. I think the Rams win like 
like a like a very late score, like with like six or five minutes left in the game. I think they win twenty one to seventeen. Twenty one seventeen. I think it's gonna be. I I truly think. I I think both teams might start out hot in the first quarter, both maybe trading a score or two, and then I think the second and third quarter are just like dreary defense. Like mm-hmm. get slow for a little bit. You're watching commercials, and then I think the Rams pull it out at the end. I think they win twenty one seventeen. Aside for that Super Bowl halftime show too, that's gonna be who is the Super Bowl? It's Dr. Dre, Eminem. Kendrick Lamar, Snoop, and I forgot the <laughs> I, for, I forgot the uh, woman's name who's on it. I can't remember. For Detroit the really has made it. Whatever happened to having one person on at halftime? I mean, there's. I mean, the past it was like they were like guests. They didn't. I know they had like J Lo and Shakira one year, but then it's normally been like the weekend or just Maroon Five. Weekend was great. I weekend was a great show. Bruno Mars. Have I'm y'all done it? Have y'all talked about prop bets today? No. No, we're not. Ah, dude, I gotta talk to Helen about that. But. Prop yeah, bets are fun, too. It is yeah. really fun. I got uh, Joe Mixon first touchdown, I think. It's a good pick. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. But, yeah, thank you, Bay Marks. Thank you all for having on. me. Yeah. Uh, Twitter, at Bay underscore Marks. When we come back for the last segment of our two-hour Super Bowl special will be Who You Got, where me and Daniel will be giving our weekend picks. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome into the Eagle's Nest. This is Daniel Locke. Alongside me, my host, as always, Griggs Blankenberg. We've had a great Super Bowl special today. We're going to close it out with who you got. And it looks like my man Logan Hurston's coming in. He is an awesome comic book show that he's going to be doing. We took over his first hour today. Thank you, Logan, for your generosity in that. No problem. And we'll get your picks alongside with ours today. So we're going to move right into it. Let's do it. Uh, recapping last week, our records are now Daniel at 18 and 12 with me very slim lead at 19 and 11. But here we go for this week's picks. First pick, for we'll do college basketball first. Texas at Baylor. Baylor coming off a rough last week after getting blown out at Kansas. So, Daniel, who you got? Baylor. Yeah, I think the Bears, they bounce back for this at home. And, I, I just, yeah, I think Baylor at home is going to win. Yeah, I definitely got Baylor on this one. Next game in the town to the west part of Alabama, we have Arkansas versus Alabama. Daniel, who you got? If this was in Fayetteville, I'm going to Arkansas, but since it's in Tuscaloosa, give me Alabama. That was my thinking, too. I think Alabama's going to win in Tuscaloosa, and Arkansas would have won in uh, Bud Walton Arena, so give me Alabama. I feel the same. I just don't feel like Alabama's going to lose at home to Arkansas. Mm -hmm. I don't either. Now the game that me and Daniel will be attending on Saturday afternoon, Miami Hurricanes at the Wake Forest Demon Deacons in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So, Daniel, who you got? Skodeeks. Skodeeks, yeah, I got the Deeks at home. First 20-win season, I can't remember how long, but. Shout-out to your brother. It's going to be a lit day. Steve Forbes got getting the job done. I, do you even have a pick for this I'll one? take Miami in an upset. Oh, oh okay. I, I don't even know the line yet for that game, but. Next game we're talking about is Indiana at Michigan State in East Lansing, Michigan. Daniel, who you got? I love how you put this one on here. You're going to force me to... It was a ranked team, Michigan State. Maybe not if they lose this game. You're going to force me to pick against my beloved Hoosers, but give me Michigan State. I mean, I got Michigan State. I mean, the Woodson streak with the suit ended with Illinois. What happened? Uh, Yeah, but I got Michigan State in East Lansing. I can't go against the Hoosiers. I'm going Indiana. Well, it looks like you're a better Indiana fan than I am. <laughs> Next game. This one looked more interesting before uh, they lost to Santa Clara, but St. Mary's at 24 in the nation versus Gonzaga 
Number two will probably be number one if they win this game. So, Daniel, who you got? Uh, I hate doing this because they're going to take our spot, but Gonzaga. I mean, they lose Purdue's taking our spot anyway. But, yeah, give me Gonzaga, even though they play in the uh, high school basketball league. <laughs> Pretty much. In their conference. But hey, yeah. watch out for the University of San Francisco, though. Give me Gonzaga, yeah. though. I'll take the Zags. I mean, they're just on a tear as of recently. Cause it, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to lose when you don't play anyone. Yeah, right. All right, next last game for college basketball before we get to the Auburn game later. We have UCLA at USC in Southern California. Daniel, who you got? You know, they're going to be mad about what happened in Tim Peace Saturday night. Give me the Bruins. I'm going USC in an upset. I think your funeral. I think Mobley's going to get the job done for them. I think UCLA has lost some games they shouldn't have this year. And I think this is just going to be one of them. And I don't even know. Will there be fans there? California's weird with this. But, yeah. yeah it's so hit and miss. I think it's – I think they – Yeah, USC is – I think yes. UCLA allowed fans in for their game. They're like, you know, we're just going to keep it here. But, yeah, give yeah. me USC. I got UCLA. They're going to ride the boat, steer in the direction from March. Good man. Moving on to the NHL and a pick that I picked for unknown reasons. We have the Chicago Blackhawks at the team in St. Louis, the Blues. Daniel, who you have? I feel like the Blackhawks are going to be going home with the Blues because St. Louis is going to win. This is really tough for me. I have a lot of friends in St. Louis, but give me the, give me the Blackhawks. I'm a Blackhawks fan. I don't I don't like St. Louis. They have one cup to our three and six years, so they can't compete with that. So give me the Blackhawks. Yeah, I'm taking Blackhawks. Smart man. Moving on to the NBA, the game Daniel and I will also be at on Saturday night. The Memphis Grizzlies take on the Charlotte Hornets at the Spectrum Center in downtown Charlotte. Daniel, who you got? You know, it's at home. LaMelo's playing out of his mind basketball right now. I'm going to go with the Hornets. Yeah, give me the Hornets. Even though they're they're on a skid right now, they're on a bad stretch. I think I can't remember, they've lost like five or six in a row. I think they tr- they have another game tonight, but I think they turn around Saturday and get the job done and prove they're going to be not in the play-in tournament this year, but they're just going to automatically qualify. Give me the Hornets. No, I got the Grizzlies. John Moran's been on a tear he this year. And they're out of skid? No way. No way. On a tear. Second to last game, we usually do this game last, but there's a bigger game this week in all of America. We have the Texas A&M Aggies at the currently still number one Auburn Tigers at Auburn Arena, 11 11- a.m. on Saturday. Daniel, who you got? Auburn by a million. Yeah, I think Auburn by a decent sum. They're going to bounce back after that Arkansas loss, and hopefully they'll have Zep Jasper back, hopefully, because he's a big piece of that. But, yeah, give me the Tigers. Yeah, Auburn by 10 or 15. Those guys looked motivated after that Arkansas loss. I just feel bad for Texas A&M because it's going to be rough for them. National stage loss. And finally, the game we've been the center of the show around, the Super Bowl 56, I believe that is correct. Super Bowl 56 in L.A., the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Daniel, who you got? You know, this is one of the rare times that the team I am rooting for is not the team I am picking. I would like to be wrong, but I think the Rams are going to win. Uh, this 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 was a tough pick. This these are two very good match teams. I think for this game, both teams have gone through some adversity this season, early on, bounce back as of re- lately. But America's with the Bengals, so that means I am with the Bengals. Who day? I'm taking the <laughs> Bengals by I'm taking the Bengals thirty four thirty one. Actually, that's what my brothers told me. 
is going to be the score, so I think that will be the score. Bengals, I believe, will win the Super Bowl 56. You know, all reason should say the Rams win. they got a more complete defense. Overall, they have the offensive MVP and Cooper Cup on their side. Mm -hmm. They actually have a good offensive line, unlike the Bengals, and a good defensive line. But I don't know, man. It's the Bengals' year. I'm taking McPherson in a crotch shot to win the game. Go Bengals. Who day? Who day? Who day? And that will wrap it up. We want to thank you all for listening to our two-hour Super Bowl special. Thank you so much for letting us take your time slot, by the way. Coming up next, what's the show called again? Multiversal. Multi- first episode. First, oh, first episode, episode after this. Oh, man, now I feel really bad about it. No, no, no. It's all right. That'll do it for us. We'll be back here to our regular spot next week at Thursday at 10 a.m. on Weagle 91.1 FM. From Griggs Blankenberg and Daniel Locke, so long, who day, and war, day, war eagle. Almost messed up there. War eagle. You can't. You can't. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagle's Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you cast version, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at the Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagle's Nest. See you next week.